Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, 3 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy Monday to you. Hope everybody out there had a good weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us as always as we're live from the Auction Community Studios. A lot of different things we're talking about today. We've got the Suns and their three-game win streak. Gambo, thankfully, has added another song to all of our collective Spotify accounts. What was right. Ray, Steve, Ray Stevens, the streak. The streak. I yes. hollered over there and I said, don't look at them! It's too late. <laughs> There it goes. So you didn't miss it. If you didn't catch the first hour of the show, you missed that. Um, we've got, of course, all of the NFL playoffs. We've taken a look at Jack Chiefs. We've looked at Cowboys 49ers. We'll talk Bills Bengals coming up a little bit. Oh, yeah. I want to talk Bills Bengals. And we'll probably and spend. Damn a- Bills. Uh, <laughs> damn Bills. God, the damn Bills. Uh, that dang Cincinnati offensive line, man. They were good. They were really, really there's good. Like, is there something that's preventing the Bills from like ever winning? I don't know. It seems like they can't quite get over the hump. God, Norwood, wide ride, four Super Bowls. They can't win any of them. Like, yeah. And then at some point, we'll talk about Eagles-Giants, though I don't know if we have enough to say to fill an entire segment about that game. Oh, my goodness. That was just a whooping. That was brutal. But we do have to kind of go back to this Cardinals. Not only the coaching search, because I think by now most people have probably heard, but in case you haven't. Fill out that front office. The, the Cardinals are going to interview Sean Payton on Thursday. The Cardinals were scheduled to interview... Um, uh, Brian Flores today. But Tamiko the- Ryans has either canceled or postponed his interview. Right. We don't know what which one, but he's not doing an interview with the Cardinals right now. And you cannot talk to him this entire week because his team is in the championship game. You cannot speak to a coach that's on a on a team that's playing this week at all. And then the other is Dan Quinn. They've requested permission, and I would imagine they'd be able to do that fairly quickly if they wanted to. Right, you but know. you're saying Dallas might want to give a blank check to Dan Quinn well, to keep the- in of D.C.? That's just what Peter Schrager was, was suggesting this morning on Good Morning Football. Like, if I'm Jerry Jones, this is what Peter was saying. If I'm Jerry Jones, I want Dan Quinn to be my head coach a year from now. I don't want him to leave, so I'm giving him a blank check to be my defensive coordinator for one year, for one more year, knowing that I'm going to replace Mike McCarthy with him a year from now. Listen, the only way Jerry Jones is winning a Super Bowl is to pay off every single coach in the league to not win. Like, that's <laughs> it. So to, you want to pay pay every single one not uh, to win. I know. I, know. I mean, that's I have a 97? 97. 97. 90, no, 90, 95? 95. 95. 27 Here. years. Here. 95. Yeah, yeah 95. Yeah, it's Jeez. Super Bowl 30. That was the last one. 27 years ago. Uh-huh. Jerry, that was the last Somebody one. would have told Jerry, how old is Jerry Jones? He's in his 80s, I think. 81, 82? So he is 80 minus 27 is what? Uh, 53? 53. So if somebody would told Jerry Jones when he was 53, you're not going to win again. <laughs> you're 53. You're going to keep, and you're not going to like die. You're going to keep living and you're not going to win again. You're 53 years old. You're not going to win another one. I would have loved every minute of it if I could have been there fly on the yeah. wall for that conversation. Yeah, take that, Jerry. I'll tell you this. I guarantee you're never going to win another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would have been great. Let's talk about what the Cardinals did. Okay, so that's the latest on the coaching. And Brian Flores is today. Dan Quinn, we'll see. We'll see about D'Amico Ryans. As far as the front office goes, there was a move made over the weekend. And Looks like a good move, too. I, it does. Dave Sears was hired as the Cardinals' assistant GM. Of course he was. Knows Bonnie Austin for it. They worked three years together with the Texans. They 
They were both college scouts. And this is what you do. You bring in people you're familiar with. You bring in people you respect. You bring in people that you know and trust. So, you know, Sears has been around. He joined the Lions in 2007. Lots of different roles. He was the Southeast Regional Scout. He's responsible for much of SEC country. And oh, by the way, it's very likely if the Cardinals peak their, keep their pick at, SC, at, 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 at number three, that they're going to take an SEC guy. Yeah, and that was him. one of his big focal points. So, And he is a big part of the drafting that the Lions have had recently. They've had a lot of success in the draft. But he's a, he's a guy that's been around for a long time, and he'll be the assistant GM. Chris Spielman was on with Wolf and Luke today and called Dave Sears as talented an evaluator as he's ever been around. With Dave, uh, he is as talented as evaluator uh, as I've been around. I've been around a lot of them in my football life. Um, he is a team guy. He's a leader because he led our college department. He's a great communicator. He's not looking to serve Dave Sears. He's looking to serve the Arizona Cardinals. Probably one of the humblest, smartest football men I've been around. He's a young guy. I think it's no surprise that that he was plucked from our staff. People that know him and, and been around him, he knows what he's doing and he's excellent at a ta- talent evaluator. I mean, look, this is in some ways exactly what we wanted for the Arizona Cardinals. New eyes, a fresh look, a different set of opinions, right? A a different way of evaluating players. Because if there's been one element to the Arizona Cardinals that has been the most broken over the last 10 years, it's been their approach to the draft. It, It just hasn't, it has not produced the level and the quantity of elite players that you need to function in this league to be able to use that kind of cheap talent. They've, they've hit on some players, of course. I don't want to make it sound like it's been this barren wasteland. But in terms of hitting on the way you're supposed to so you don't need to go spend money on free agency, on Not things enough. that you should, it, it hasn't been good no, enough. It hasn't been good enough. This has been where the organization has needed to yeah, reset. They're, they're looking at Sears. They, they took right tackle Panay Sewell. He's a Pro Bowl alternate, first round 21. They landed him on Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. Uh, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall. Kirby Joseph was a third rounder. Malcolm Rodriguez, a fifth rounder. They've done, they've done a good job. Their drafts in Detroit have been good. Now, they're upset in Detroit because oh, they're losing this guy right before the draft, a few months before the draft. But familiar with Monty Austin for it. They worked together for three years. You got to go way back, you know, 2004, 2005. But, you know, it's a guy you keep, you, you keep eyes, you keep your tabs on him. And Monty decides to uh, reunite with C. Reconnect with him. Uh, they've got some familiarity together. They both were college scouts, and makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I'm excited about it because it's yeah, it's it's time for the Cardinals to nail drafts more than anything else. Nail drafts. Forget about free agency and re-signing your own guys and all of that stuff. You've got to hit on more draft picks. You've got to hit on those number one draft picks, and you've got to have solid drafts because it just sets everything up. It makes your spending money a lot easier when you can, you know, when you're not having to plug all these holes with high-priced free agents, and instead you've got guys in the system who are, you know, much cheaper ready to plug those holes. And honestly, when we talk about nailing drafts, and you're right, you nailed it when you said they've got to nail drafts. Some of it, too, is just positional awareness when you're drafting, right? Like, how many inside linebackers are you going to take over the course of a six-year span? How many offensive linemen are you not taking over the course of a six- or seven-year span, right? That was one of those things where you go back and you look at the last several drafts under Steve Keim, there was no emphasis on the offensive line hardly at all in these drafts. you, You pay Zach Ertz. 
you keep Zach Ertz, you pay him, but then you draft a tight end with your first pick when you need help at edge rusher and you need help on offense. Unless you felt like there really isn't a great offense, there's really not a good offensive lineman, there's not a good edge rusher. But that's, you know, if you're saying that in the second round, you're basically saying there's nothing good from this point forward that we're going to get that's going to be able to come in and play. They did end up drafting after that two edge rushers, two guys that, two interior guys that could get, get to the quarterback and Sanders and, and Thomas. But, I mean, positional awareness. You didn't need a tight end. He may end up being good, but you didn't need a tight end. I mean, it got to the point where, and and look, I'll cop to it. We talked about this on the show. I endorsed this on the show, so I don't want to sit here and be some hindsight quarterback here. It got to the point where we almost wanted Steve Kime to trade the picks for established players because he was better at that than he was at drafting the players. He was good at he was he, good he was, at trades. He was really good at the trades. Yes. He was really good at saying, "Okay, I'm going to take the second rounder. I'm going to turn into Chandler Jones. I'm going to take this first rounder and I'm going to turn it into Hollywood Brown. I'm going to I'm going to trade picks and David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. I, I mean, we almost we didn't almost we did. We encouraged him to make more moves like that because it just felt safer. Now, now it's the opposite. Now I want to see how Monty handles the draft. Now I want to see how Dave Sears handles the draft. I, I I still want them to trade out of three depending on what happens and kind of how the situation presents itself. But in terms of as a whole trading first round picks for established players I don't want them to as much now because I need to see how good they are at drafting impact players in the first round. Guys that we had this conversation the day you were off last week about Isaiah Simmons. There was a story on NFL.com. Do the Cardinals pick up his fifth-year option? And their vote was no. They don't. Wow. And I – now, that's debatable. I would. But I we kind of agreed that we would, too. You know, that it would be like, you know, you, you probably just need to take another look and make sure. But Monty Ossenfort, he's got no ties to Isaiah Simmons. That's not his pick. And no ties to Hollywood Brown. You know, got those high, you know if I don't he, have to he, give him a contract extension. wants to let Hollywood Brown walk or not give him a contract extension, mm-hmm. that's not a decision he made. You know, that's a decision he gets to unmake if he wants. So right. what, you, what you need, what, but what astounded me about the list, okay, was you're looking at the list of every single first round pick and all the guys who could get their fifth year picked up. The amount of guys after Isaiah Simmons that they're like, yes, yes, yes. It was almost embarrassing. It was there. It was like 15 guys after Isaiah Simmons pick up their fifth where, year option. where they were saying pick up the fifth year option. And you've got a guy they're saying, no, don't pick up the fifth year option for and it's stuff like that. That drives you nuts. If because, you're a Cardinals fan, Yeah, because that's a fail. Yeah, but then you look at—I mean, it's part of me. Like, man, Hassan Reddick was a good pick. He's a really good player. Was. They, they just, didn't develop they him. Didn't develop him. Like that, and that's the problem right. with the disconnect that there seemed to be yeah. between the front office and the coaching with the Cardinals. That you draft Hassan Reddick, he's a really good player. You don't use him the right way for three years. You let him go, and now he's a dominant pass rusher. Yeah, and he was dominant. You had a real quick. You had a Bucky Brooks. A mock draft. Oh, today? I did. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't know you wanted to mention I did. this. Well, well, we're talking. We're talking draft. We're yes, talking we draft are. anyway. Okay. They had who? Did, who did he have him taken? Will Anderson number one to the Bears. Wow. Bryce Young number two to the Texans. Okay. Jalen Carter number three to the Arizona Cardinals. Jalen Carter to the Cardinals. He did not have a trade. Okay. I did not have. A trade. I don't know if he was specifically avoiding the trade scenario. He had C.J. Stroud number four to the Colts. So he had a trade-free first four picks. 
Yeah, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. <laughs> uh, Bucky, I love you. That's not happening. This ain't happening. I'll throw that one away. <laughs> That's why I didn't think There'll be you no trades in the first four picks. Yeah, okay. That's why I'm surprised you wanted me yeah. to bring it up, Othello. Well, just because it had happen. him taking Carter. Yeah. It had him taking Carter. When we come back, we just talked about the assistant GM that Monty Austin Ford hired this weekend. That was not the only item on Austin Ford's to-do list that we learned about. He is set to have a very important meeting that we will tell you about next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Busy times over at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Brian Flores interview today. According to reports, this is all according to reports, by the way, but they're from journalists we typically trust. Uh, Sean Payton interview coming up on Thursday. A request to talk to Dan Quinn. A um, canceled interview with D'Amico Ryans. He did two over the weekend and apparently decided that he needed to focus on getting ready for the Dallas Cowboys, so he canceled his interviews with the Colts and the Cardinals. We don't know if he canceled them or just postponed them, but either way, he can't have any interviews this week. It's against the NFL rules for him to talk with any NFL teams this week leading in to the conference championship games. And then in the midst of all of that, and then there's Dave Sears getting hired as the assistant GM. And Things in the, are moving. And in the midst of Things all of that, Monty Austinfort going to have a meeting or has already had a meeting with one DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, don't know when that meeting was, but uh, it was reported that he's going to meet with Austin Ford about his future. That he's going to meet with him about his future. I think it was uh, uh, Ian Rappaport. We might have some sound on it, but uh, he discussed that. And obviously, it's what Deshaun Watson, you've got to know. What's your plans for me? I'm under contract with you. Now, he may make a formal trade. He can make a formal trade request at that time. Say, look, I think it's better for both of us. We part ways. You guys are rebuilding. I want to move on. Uh, or money. Monty might try to sell him on what the future is, that we're going to be really good in a short amount of time. I'm not sure what direction it's going to go, but there'll be a lot of clarification after that meeting. DeAndre Hopkins, his future has been a little bit cloudy. Ever since the trade deadline, when teams were scurrying around trying to trade from former general manager Steve Kahn, obviously did not do a deal, but still it has led some teams to wonder, is one of the best receivers in the NFL available? My understanding is Monty Osborne, the new GM for the Arizona Cardinals, is going to sit down with Hopkins likely this week and plot out the future. Are they willing to explore a trade, or is he going to make sure that Hopkins is there for the 2023 season? If he will consider a trade, Mike, then first of all, one of the best receivers in the NFL is on the move, and two, the Cardinals may have to do a little rebuilding. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to do some rebuilding. I think Austin Ford understands that. And I think what you want to do is you want to acquire. You look at what Bill Armstrong's doing with the Yotes, right? I'm acquiring as many young assets as I can. I'm getting as many draft picks as I can. It's the best way to really start over. You take an asset that's 30 years old yep. and you trade that for a bunch of younger assets. Maybe you get a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth or maybe just this, whatever you can get. You're basically trading in a 30-something player for a much younger player. Now you got to hit on the player. But if you're not going to win next Next year, and you're not going to contend, and you feel like, hey, Kyler's going to be out a while. I'm going to start. We're going to rebuild this thing. We're not going to. Then you trade DeAndre Hopkins, and I think you have to explain it to DeAndre Hopkins. Look, you know, I'm going to. You know, as, as long as you're willing, I'm going to. And he, now he does have a no trade clause, correct? But I am curious to see if any of that was because he did was suspended for six games. If that affects his no trade clause, or does he still have it? Are, are you? Are you? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you hearing that it might, or are you just suggesting that it might? I'm just. I, I'm, I don't know for sure. Okay. But I heard somebody said, "Look into this." Okay. Could it avoided? 
because he was suspended for six games. Okay. Could so, that avoid it? So, I, I don't just know. want to be clear to everybody who's listening. And, uh, you're right. not reporting that. You're not. You're just. It's no. somebody kind of put a bug in your ear to yeah. look into the idea that maybe his six game suspension somehow voided his no trade clause because because in part that no no trade clause holds the key to a lot of this. I mean, there's a lot of belief that DeAndre Hopkins wants to be traded. That yes, he wants I, out. I've told you uh, the Chargers, Jaguars and yeah. the Chargers are two teams that I've heard that he would prefer to play for. Um, but again, it would take two to tango. But there's reports, you know, Hopkins and uh, you know Deshaun Watkins and Hopkins and the with the Browns, uh, the Patriots are favored to trade for Hopkins. There's the odds per DraftKings Sportsbook. They're one of the favorites. The latest lines have the Pats listed at plus four fifty, second only to the Packers. Um, you know, the, the praise that Belichick heaped on him oh, and yeah. New England needs one. Look, you know, you look at these playoff games. You look at okay. Buffalo Bills could absolutely use another receiver. Oh yeah, they could. Absolutely. How many of those teams that we watched in the playoffs could use another guy? And one more guy. Uh-huh. So uh, look, the Jaguars. I was you know watching the Jaguars. They got some good players, but man, Hopkins would be a big, big, big guy, a big player there. So there's a lot of teams that could use him. I think if you're Monty Austin for it, you can't make any guarantees here. But you've got to say, as long as I'm, as long as I'm able to trade you and you're willing to go, I will have discussions with other teams. Yeah, and, and, and look, I think what complicates this issue, or in some ways what provides clarity on this issue is the status of Kyler Murray, and you mentioned it. If Kyler Murray wasn't hurt, if Kyler Murray was going into the season fully healthy, ready to go, then to me, there's a much more compelling argument to be made to keeping DeAndre Hopkins, right? Because then you can kind of sell everybody on this idea that you're going to tweak and retool and kind of build around those two and move forward. We don't know how long Kyler's going to be out. Everybody thinks maybe three games, but it could be longer, and who knows? You know, there's a difference between being back on the field for Kyler Murray and Kyler being back to do Doing Kyler things. That might take a lot longer than three weeks. And the other thing to consider this is too, even if you do keep him, even if you're sitting there listening to us right now saying, I can't believe we're having a conversation about trading one of your best assets. Even if you keep him, You've got to restructure his contract, right? Like you can't keep him. You that. can't keep and they him knew it. on the contract he's got now. He's like a thirty-one million dollar cap hit next year. That's intolerable. You can't have that. So you've got to redo the contract one way or another. You're going to have to address it one way or another. He acts as his own agent, so that complicates this as well. Look, from what I understand, if they trade him after June first, they can spread out the cap hit. It's like $22 million in dead money if they trade him. They can spread it out if they trade him after June 1st. The problem, you won't get any draft picks this year if you trade him after June 1st, right? Yeah, so the draft's before that. The draft is a month and a half before that. So you want the draft picks. So you're probably going to have to eat a $22 million cap hit burger if you trade him. And that to could, s- you, could you trade him after June 1st for a 2024 second round pick? Sure, of course. But do you want, does that give you the gratification that you're looking for? I, I mean, I don't know. It, you no, absolutely. You, no, could. you know what a lot of these GMs want to do? The reality is they want to take all of that cap money and eat it right away. They want to get they want to get off it as quick as they can. Yeah. It's a debt. They want to, they want to get out of debt as quick as they can. Amen. And that's what most GMs come in and they do it. They, 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 they don't sit there and say, let's kick all of this stuff down the road. Cause down the road is what I got to deal with. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just deal with it right now while this is what the LGM put in place. It's, it's a, it's debt. Let me just, I want to get out of debt as quick as I can. So boom, I'm going to make this one big payment right now. And it may have 
it may affect my ability to go on vacation this year or buy a car or a boat or pay for my kids' college education, whatever, but I'm going to get out of this debt as quick as I can. And a lot of GMs take that philosophy when they first come in is to do that right away because once you start kicking all those cans down the road, you're really eating into the things that you're going to want to do in the next Absolutely. two to three years. If memory serves, it's exactly what the Bears did with Khalil Mack. It's just like, nope, this year, all in this one year. year. We're not spreading it out. Nope. We're going to, it was like $21 million. Again, my memory might be a little fuzzy, but it was all in one year. Let's let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's get it done. Let's have it over with, and let's just be finished with it. For some, that $22 million cap hit, dead cap hit money for a player that's not on your roster is too high. For me, it's all part of the grand plan that you're talking about, hitting the reset on your salary cap, being able to go into the year after this one with kind of a clean slate with the cap and being able to do some of the things you want. If that means a $22 million hit next year, then do it. Right. Then do it. Right. Especially when you're talking about a season where your quarterback's going to miss at least a quarter of the season, maybe closer to a half of the season, you might as well do it next year because it's going to be that kind of a year anyway, I think. And you always think that, listen, I know 2024, if I I can get that pick now, I get that player in my system, I develop him for a year, I'm just better off. So, you know, you want to come out of the gates flying. So I would expect that that's going to happen. Yeah, and and the teams that you listed are very interesting. I think about half the league would be interested in DeAndre Hopkins. Given the right set of circumstances. You're like, how many teams could use DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, Yeah, most of them. Most of them could use a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, no He's doubt. A great player. No doubt about it. Great player. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620. Joe Burrow, oh, so cool. In those Buffalo snow flurries, who they think going to beat them Bengals? That's next to the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Fakes to the right. Oh, got throws to the got end zone. It is caught <laughs> by Hayden Hurst. Touchdown. <laughs> Bengals. Burrow sucked the Bills in with the pump fake, and Hayden Hurst was wide open at the goal line. We'll talk about the Eagles and the Giants coming up in the next segment as we kind of review what happened this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Man, it, 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 the scoreboard won't show that level of domination. Cincinnati handed it to Buffalo yesterday. Handed it. It was. It was, it, it was never. In, it was never in doubt. It was a bludgeoning. It was never in doubt. It was absolutely a bludgeoning. No. Might not have been as much on the scoreboard as it was with Philadelphia and the Giants. But make no mistake, the Bengals clobbered the Bills yesterday. It was shocking to see. It was shocking. Matter of fact, at one point, I put this down in my notes, it was 159 to 8 in yards in the first quarter. <laughs> it was 159. Now they said on the broadcast it was 146 to 11. There was a couple of plays left. And then when it was over, they, the Bills actually went backwards three yards on their final play of the first quarter. 159 yards for the Bengals State. Cincinnati took the opening possession. Burrow was 4 for 4 for 65 yards. Touchdown to Chase, 28 yards. Buffalo, they uh, they go three and out. Cincinnati gets the ball back. They go ten plays, seventy two yards. It's fourteen nothing. And then you're like, okay, this is. Then they have another drive, fourteen plays, sixty five yards, seventeen seven. You just get the feeling like they were able to get the ball and and go. Right down the Bills' throats the any time that they wanted to, and it was nothing Buffalo could do. Yeah, almost immediately, too. I mean, it was 14 nothing in the blink of an eye. I mean, before you know, and not only, yes. you know, it was 14 nothing in the blink of an eye, and it was the way they got those 14 points. Those receivers were wide open. And then Mixon couldn't be stopped. And Mixon couldn't be stopped. Couldn't stop and, I mean, like, the yards before anybody even touched him was absurd, given the level of the offensive line that you were talking about. The Bengals' wide receivers, the tight end, Hayden Hurst, they were Hurst running free all. 
all day long. They had nobody around them. It was it was shocking to see it. It wasn't one of those games that came down to Josh Allen turning the ball over a bunch or making a bunch of mistakes. It was just no. It was it was. Good old-fashioned upfront domination. The Bengals' offensive line dominated. The Bengals' defensive line dominated, and there was no answer for the Buffalo. Long drives for Cincy, no turnovers. You know, even the second half, Buffalo has a nice little drive. They get the field goal, seventeen to ten. What does Cincinnati do? They go twelve plays, seventy-five yards to go twenty-four ten. I mean, it was a, there was that. Then Buffalo punched the ball. Cincinnati gets the ball back. They go down the field. They kick a field goal. They're up by three scores. Like you, there was, not, there was nothing you could do. There was nothing you could do. Buffalo was overmatched by Cincinnati. It didn't matter that the offensive linemen were missing or anything like that. Joe Burrow was money. He's got Chase. He's got um, Mixon, who was fantastic. They just they got Hurst as good weapons there. The offensive line was good. The defense was fantastic. Yep, really good. Really good defense in that game. But I had a theory. I wanted to throw this by you. Okay, hit me. Because I had a theory as I'm watching the, the Buffalo Bills, and I kind of feel like you know maybe there's something about the Bills being cursed. Like they're they've been good for a number of years now. They can't get over the hump. When I was a kid, they they had Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and Cornelius Bennett and Bruce Smith, and I can go on and on and on. And they they had great teams, great teams. Couldn't get over the hump. Four Super Bowls, couldn't win a Super Bowl. I had something about the Bills, but I'm sitting and I'm watching these. I'm watching this game and I'm and I'm, I'm looking at the Bills and like Diggs was taken out of the game. Like Diggs did not have a good game. And apparently, like there was, I think him and Allen may have been kind of going at it a little bit. Diggs There's was some going at there. Allen. Yeah, Diggs was going at Allen, and Allen wasn't looking. At him. Allen was just kind of buried in his iPad or his Microsoft Touch, whatever, mm-hmm. not looking at him. Stefan Diggs was screaming at him for like five seconds and, and he wouldn't. And then he left. Diggs left the <clears throat> locker room after the game without talking to the media. Go ahead. So, my point here is this, no, they don't have any weapons. They just like they like I don't know what they're doing. I mean, their running backs are Singletary, Cook, and Hines. None of them are that good. Gabe Davis, eh, Cole Beasley off the couch, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. Like that's that's what they have for Josh Allen. So part of it you want to look at and say, okay, Josh Allen's, you know, maybe Josh Allen isn't as good as we think he is. No, I think Josh Allen is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have great weapons in Buffalo. I think outside of Diggs, they're really limited with their weapons. Like that's a team that could use DeAndre Hopkins, the Buffalo Bills, because you know, like like Gabe Davis, okay. You know, Cole Beasley, like, you had to bring him back. He's okay. Dawson Knox, okay. okay. Their running backs, are any of their running backs that good? No, they're not that good. No. I just don't think that they have the weapons. I Josh don't think Allen that, seems like he's their leading rusher every other Sunday right, anyway, right? Right, yeah, right. I yeah. think he was their leading rusher in this game. I think he was. Let's see, was he? He might have been. Uh, he yes, he was. He was leading eight, rusher. Eight carries for 26 yards. Right. Yeah, he was their leading like, rusher. So my, my point is I'm sitting there and I'm looking for every reason in the world. Like, okay, with Dak Prescott, it's easy. Dak's the problem. With Josh Allen, it's not so easy. I just don't think that Josh has the weapons on that team. I think they need more weapons for him. I think there's a lot of validity to it. Um, I, I, there, I mean, if you go back and look at the Bills' season, they didn't seem to have a problem putting up points in some of their games. Now, were there some that they did? Yes, absolutely. But in a lot of their games, it, it seemed like they had plenty. It seemed like they had plenty in terms of weapons when they played Miami a week ago. John Brown got involved. Other guys got involved, things like that. But in a moment like this, did they have enough to keep up? No. And, you know... So, yeah, could they use DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, they could. Could they? That is a team in the Bills. Look, they have... 
climbed near the top of the mountain three straight years now, and they've been denied all three straight. That is a fan base that is going to be one of the antsiest in all of the NFL, right? Don't be surprised at all if the Buffalo Bills do something big and splashy this offseason, to your point. Don't be surprised one bit if they go out and make a premier move for a premier player offensively that can kind of satisfy that fan base and make them think, okay, we're not just happy having the NFL's best record or second best record and being what's thought of to be the best team in the league only to fail in the postseason. To your point, I I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not hop specifically, but a player like that, a a pickup like that, wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised at all because you know that fan base they're they're in, they're insane in a great way. I've got I got Buffalo Bills fans that live right down the street from me. Man, they had a huge watch party yesterday. I felt bad for them. <laughs> I almost wanted to take them cookies. But I feel like I, the game, I, like, I, like, hey, sorry, your team lost. I feel yeah. bad. You guys have the best fan base in the world. You deserve you better than well, this. You might as well listen. I'm going to order the same one and send it every year at the same time. I know. I know. Like there's, there's something about the Bills that they just can't get over the hump. You know, I just don't know what it is. I mean, like they've been good for a number of years now, and they can't get over that hump. And they, they did make the big play for Diggs, and it worked out really well. I mean, I was thinking that they were going to be the team to beat this year, and it's not. I mean, Cincinnati was clearly better, and you know, maybe Cincinnati get, you know, for some reason, they kind of came out of nowhere to win that thing, uh, the AFC last year, and it, there's a good chance they're going to win the AFC against well, this year. Maybe that's the barometer that everybody's going to be judged by. And look, I mean, people might think this is kind of shallow or whatnot. Man, they've been using what's gone on the last three weeks to their great advantage in Cincinnati. Last week against the Ravens, Mixon pulls the coin out of his sock and does the coin flip. Or two weeks ago, he does the coin flip. Um, yesterday, uh, uh, what's her name? The sideline reporter for CBS asks Joe Burrow about Tracy Wolfson, thank you, about not having the neutral site game for the AFC Championship. Yeah. And he's like, yep, better get those refunds in the mail. Oh, that was a great you know, comment. That was a great line, right? That was a great and, comment. And they use that as like, y'all want to talk about Kansas City? Talk about them. Y'all want to talk about Buffalo? Talk about them. You don't want to talk about us? Fine, don't talk about us. They ball. And Joe Burrow, he's, he is, if I had to pick one guy who's not a member of the Arizona Cardinals that I will tune into every week to watch, it's that you cat. You said you'd get his jersey. I would, and I, I still might. You I still might Joe to. Burrow jersey. He's just... He's just so he is so cool. He's so cool. He's so calm under pressure. Nothing seems to fade. I don't know if they're going to win next week. They might lose to Kansas City. They might lose again in the Super Bowl. But there is something about him, and there is something about that AFC. And we were talking about this earlier. The trifecta. And if you even want to hit zoom out and add Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, knock yourself out. Those three to five quarterbacks in that conference. It is is going to be just like the NFC of the early 90s when it was Steve Young and Troy Aikman and Brett Favre. And it was every year you got to deal with those guys if you want to get through to the end. And I think the AFC is going to be set up like that for a decade. Aren't they likable, though? Like You tell me right now who am I rooting for? Cincinnati. Yeah, they're very likable. I'm they're rooting for Cincinnati. Very likable. Yep. Give me the Bengals. Because they're, they're cocky. But in a really fun, not like arrogant way, you Plus know. They they made when we were younger. They made two Super Bowls. Yep, and lost them both, <coughs> and then lost this last one. So I mean, they're, they're searching for their first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, they're, they're searching for their first they're, Super Bowl because they're they had, one of a handful of teams that have never won it. Yeah, yeah. they had Boomer Siason, they had Kenny Anderson, they had some good teams. Icky Woods, remember Icky and the Icky Shuffle? Mm-hmm. But they never got over the hump. Yeah, no, they they are. There is there is something about them that's really really fun to watch. Now they go to Kansas City. Joe Burrow is three and zero in his career against yeah. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. A kid just unfazed by uh, any, any everything. L- listen to these numbers. Uh, this includes the postseason now. Head to head against the Chiefs, Burrow's three and zero. He's completing seventy two percent of his passes, three hundred and twenty seven yards per game. He's got a touchdown to interception ratio of eight to one against Kansas City. He they he plays so well against, and now Mahomes has the high ankle sprain. If he plays, who knows how effective he's actually going to be? Yeah, we talked last week about um, I think on Friday just going through the games, and Burrow and Allen had never played a game against each other outside of the Demar Hamlin game. But if you look at that game, Burrow took the uh, Burrow took the ball the first time they had it four for four all the way down the field. The Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. So that game that you know obviously it was not you know not not finished. He like was really good right off the bat. It was like okay, if you want to sign that they're going to be okay against Buffalo, look at that right there. He he went up against that defense and just tore him apart the first four passes he made. And all the credit in the world goes to that offensive line. Jackson Carmen making his first career start at left tackle. Max Sharping, uh, Hakeem Adenji. Um, that offensive line bullied the Bills. Bullied them. Joe Mixon, there's a reason why he had 105 yards. There's a reason why he wasn't touched and his yards before contact were as high as they were. Was it one sack? It it was one sack the whole game. That's it. They got to him one time. They, now, he got the ball out quick, and they were obviously, that's kind of how they were going to beat it a little bit. But that offensive line absolutely held up at the point of the attack. And you're right. If there's one team I'm rooting for, it is the Bengals all the way. Now, will we see them here? Will we see you there? We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register. Listen for your name starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl, plus you will win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. All right. 3.43 in the afternoon. Gambo's been putting it off all day. Giants, Eagles. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're back on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Third down and nine, high snap to Minshew. He gives it off to Gamewell, who runs up the middle. He's across the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kenneth Gamewell. Sorry. Yeah. I was looking for reruns of Sanford and Son. <laughs> they have the Suns game on at the same time. Mm. You just flip over to that. That's what, that's, believe me, that's what I did <laughs> at, at halftime. That game's twenty-eight nothing. It's like, all right, let's see what the Suns are doing. Oh, look at that! They're beating the Pacers. All right, we'll stay here. I'll go back in and and just 
you know, catch little snippets in the second half. Oh, okay, it's 38 to 7. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're fine. Jeez. Because it's stay on the Suns game. The Eagles beat the Giants 38 to 7. And on your um, good morning football show, they were all apologizing for falling for the Giants. So <laughs> they were all like playing what they said last week. You have to Brian Dable's the greatest coach. And look at the Giants. Oh, my God. They got, they could definitely go to Philly and win this game. And then Philly, man, Philly took him to the woodshed. To the woodshed. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was really it was. I mean, it looked thirty eight to seven. It's really really bad. And I I did watch Good Morning Football, and I did catch that segment. I also caught that segment where they were having so much fun about Nick Sirianni. Oh yeah, mean mugging the camera the whole. Oh my god, he was just like him and that like assistant strength coach guy who was next to him with like the super short short sleeves and the medium shirt. Oh my god, that guy that guy was all padded out right. He was just like he was like. Nick Sirianni's bouncer at the club on the sideline with the Eagles just flexing the whole game. And Sirianni was just mean mugging the camera the whole time. I even noted that on Saturday night. I'm like, man, Sirianni is awfully fired up about this. He was. He is in a place when it comes to this right now. And rightfully so. Look, any questions about the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles and their readiness, they got answered. They got answered quickly. They put the blade down on the Giants. Jalen Hurts looked terrific. That defense, I mean, Hassan Reddick, have a moment, young man. Miss you around here. Wish you, wish we could have found uh-huh. a way to make it work, but obviously you found greener pastures out there in Philly, and you're doing just fine. Him and Sweat, they killed Daniel Jones in that game. They did. I mean, you know, Reddick is, you know, I, I wish they, the Cardinals wanted to bring him back, too. I mean, they, they really wanted to bring him back, but he, he really thrived. In his first playoff game, he was just, he was unbelievable in that game. He was, he was terrific. And he said, I know what's on the line. I'm here. I'm focused. I'm locked in. I'm just going to continue to give it all I got until it's over. He's 28 years old. He had played 97 regular season games for finally getting a chance to go to the postseason. He was labeled a first round bust after playing out of position with the Cardinals and then, you know, went to Carolina and then turned that into a nice, uh, you know, contract. And he goes out there against the Giants. He's got a team high, five combined tackles. He had a tackle for a loss. He had three quarterback hits. He had one and a half sacks. He was beating the, the Giants' right tackle as Evan Neal. And he was beating him like a drum. Like, just a drum. Um, so now you've got 18 games that he's played with the Eagles. And he's got 17 and a half sacks mm-hmm. in 18 games. How the hell did the Cardinals miss? How did you mess that up? Uh, How did you mess that up? Well, you, you want know, to talk about regrets? Yeah. I've had a few. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Frank. <laughs> but then again, but not, but I can't say, but then again, too few to notice. Like <laughs> I mentioned, it's, there's a lot of regret. Like the Hassan Reddick's got to be, he's been in Philly for 18 games. He got 17 and a half sacks. Yeah, that's got to be one of your biggest regrets. You just, you just completely, you just completely misevaluated that whole deal. You misevaluated what you were trying to make. Make him be. You brought in coach after coach to make him be something he wasn't going to be. By the time you figured out what it was that you had, you decided to let him go, yeah. and instead you re-signed Chandler Jones, right? Instead Listen of pour, the- pouring your money into Hassan Reddick, it was just a misevaluation, miscoaching, misevaluation from top to bottom for the organization. Listen to this line in the Philly paper: Reddick's ha- Reddick has been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL season and all season, and his fifteen million dollar per season contract signed in March is looking like a bargain. Huh? Yeah. It looks like a bargain. Yeah. $15 million a year. Yeah, it's on record. It looks like a bargain. 17 sacks over 18 games. Yeah, it's right. a bargain. It's a bargain. Mm-hmm. 
You get a deal but on You that. had him. Ah, oh, it's just the Cardinals messed that one up so bad. Yeah. So bad. And not one specific person messed that up. The, the, they all messed that up. They, they, the coaches, the general, they, the, all of them, they, they just misread it. Um, it's kind, kind of why I want to pick up Isaiah Simmons' 50-year option. Well, because you, you, you want to protect yourself from making that mistake again, I, I, right? I also think he's good, but you, I also you, think he's good. You don't, you don't want to stumble on, and maybe they've started to stumble on what Isaiah Simmons, I think they're going to pick it up, and, and I think they should pick it up. Just to kind of cover themselves, just to be sure. But remember, Monty Austin Ford, he's got no ties no. to Isaiah Simmons. That's not his failed draft pick. That's somebody else's failed draft pick. And if he doesn't, you know, if 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 he leaves, that's not as much on Monty as it is on the previous regime. But yeah, there's no doubt the ghost of Hassan Reddick kind of hangs over them. 268 yards rushing for Philly in that game. I don't want to talk about. I that. mean, it was Kenneth Gainwell. It was Miles Sanders. It was it was Jalen. They weren't Hurts. getting touched until they were five yards past the line of scrimmage yeah where they're getting touched those runs were just like i mean just at some point it's just you're physically you're getting beat physically just that you and you can't contend and the giants are a pretty physical team and they got a pretty physical defense but listen that's what you get you get a team that you know you're off the bye they're rested they were a great team all year i think it's gonna be a hell of a game between philadelphia and san francisco the giants it doesn't take away from what was a great season and now they've got big decisions to make with daniel jones and saquon barkley they did have a really, really good season. They also did not pick up the fifth year option on Daniel Jones. So, mm-hmm. uh, but now that they now they want to keep him, the Giants had a really good year, but they don't have the pieces in place that the Eagles do. Everybody expects Daniel Jones is going to be back. I know he made some comments after the game and the day after. Um, "Quote: I've really enjoyed being here. I have nothing but love and respect for this organization. I'd love to be back. We'll see. And there's a business side of it too. So I'm very grateful to be here and be a part of it." Saquon Bar. Barkley afterwards said, I really don't think that's my last game in a Giants uniform, and he's probably right. I, I mean, ideally, they they come to an agreement with both of them, and they keep them around. It didn't seem like they used Saquon as much as they should have in that game. And Daniel Jones, yeah, the clock kind of struck midnight. I imagine both will be back in the Giants next year. I, I can't imagine one of those guys on somebody else's team next year. Yeah, yeah, I think that they both come back. I mean, they've got a good foundation there. they got to keep building with it. Uh, tough division. You know, Philly and Dallas are both very good. The Eagles are going to be good for but no problem with Jalen Hurts' shoulder either. None. No, no problem at all. at all. Nope. So Philly hosts San Francisco next week. It's it's going to be a hell of a, a double dip next Sunday to see who goes to the Super Bowl. Both those teams, and that does remind me, we are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl Fifty Seven, which means you got to get in on this. We are giving you the chance to go see the Super Bowl. Text the word Super to six twenty six twenty. Register. Listen for your name starting February sixth, and you can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll also win tickets to the FanDuel party the Bud Light Music Fest, the Super Bowl experience, all of that. So text the word SUPER to 620-620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. When we come back, the 4 o'clock reset. That's what we've got next here on Burns and Gambo.